Welcome to The Snap with Alexis Perry and Sydney Jones. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube for this week's edition of The Snap. I'm your host, Sydney Jones, and today we are joined by ESPN's L. Duncan, who co-anchors SportsCenter on weekdays, is a co-host of a weekly ESPN podcast called First Take, Her Take, and appears on so many other programs on ESPN. Plus, she is a lifelong Broncos fan. Elle, it is such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Of course, Sydney, thank you so much. Any any uh, opportunity to talk to the to, to my team, about my team, I'm there. So, so excited to be here. I love it. Well, the Broncos are 2-0 to start the season. This is the first woo, woo, woo. I know, right? First time since 2018. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? It does. It has been, um, it's been, it's been a ride. I always tell people, you know, I don't think that Denver fans are are audacious enough to assume we're going to win a championship every year, right? Like I worked in Boston, Boston people actually like believe and they should, right? Believe and the expectation is they should win a championship. And even if you win one, there's like still no room for air, right? There's no margin for air. You got to win another one right away. After we won, you know, in 2016, the 2015 season, I was like, okay, like I'm good. We, we got this like sort of proverbial monkey up our back. We finally won without John and like, we're good and it's fine. So we can take a little time. And there's of course going to be Super Bowl attrition. I didn't know <laughs> that it was going to be, you know, as difficult to eat as it was for over the last few years. So it just feels, it feels like it did before where it's sort of the energy is palpable and we are able to lean on our defense as we always have been able to do, but also the spark that Teddy's bringing. It's just, I'm so excited Sydney. It's like renewed, fresh energy, you know? It is. We can feel it around the building too. It feels different around here. Oh, I know we talked about this before we started recording, but I know you're an Atlanta native. So why the Broncos? Why did you originally become a fan? Yeah. So, um, I was born and raised in Atlanta, but I am the only person on either side of my family that was not born and raised in Denver. So, um, my family, like my parents went to East high school. That's where they met. And my, you know, my grandparents were born at Rose hospital. Like we are, we are in there. And so, um, it's interesting because, you know, as you know, like the Broncos is this like generational legacy. So, you know, my mom remembers going to games with her father who went with his father. And so we've been doing season tickets in this family for generations. And uh, when we moved to Atlanta, my mom did, and dad did pick up some of the Atlanta fandom. So I always rooted, I always cheered for the Hawks. We're huge Braves fans. Um, UGA is, a, is, is our school for college football, but they brought, Denver with them. Like it was always Denver all the time back before they had satellites and all that stuff. My uncle would tape the games in Denver, VHS them in the mail, send them to my parents so that they could watch the games, you know, a few days later. That's how diehard this is in my house. Like when we win, my mom watches the game again throughout the course of the week so that she could sort of analyze the tape and pick out like who had the best performance. I mean, we're sort of nuts about the Broncos, but it's always been that way. I love it. Well, we saw how nuts your daughter is about Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> that viral video, you know, of your, your daughter cheering on Teddy last Sunday against the Jaguars, you know, our social media manager, she even reposted it on some of our social media platforms. Is it safe to say Teddy's your daughter's probably favorite player? Oh my gosh. That's so cute. You know, what's so funny, Sydney, is that he, it was at a commercial break, like Teddy wasn't even on the field. It was like the game wasn't on. We had obviously been watching it, but wasn't on. And just out of nowhere, she just goes, oh, come on guys. 
I come on guys, I'm going to, let's go Teddy. And like, right then knowing my daughter, I knew pick up your phone. Cause she's about to go on a rant. And that's when I picked up my phone and started taping, but it's so cute. People kept saying like, Oh, you know, she must've heard you guys when you, I'm like, it has been nothing but love for Teddy in this house. <laughs> what she did was she hodgepodge conversations that we've had for her and she melded them together into a motivational speech. So like the whole thing, I like watch where you're going. We say that to her because she steps on her baby brother all the time. Right. So she used it for Teddy in this way, or like, you got to be a good teammate. We say that to her all the time. Like you got to be a good teammate. We're a team. So it's just, it, as a mom, it was so bananas to see her take all of these conversations and smash them together in a way that actually worked, like the context fit. I was like, it is sort of a motivational, the race part wasn't right, but she's a, she's a football fan, just like she gets it honest, just like the rest of her family. And she has suddenly uh, formed an infatuation with Teddy B. <laughs> you gotta be able to win the race, Teddy. It was, she you was- gotta win the race, Teddy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I'll, thank I, wanna, you. I wanna hear your thoughts on Teddy. You know, what would you think about the Broncos bringing him in this off season and his performance so far this year? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, Teddy is obviously it's well-documented what a good person he is, how much everyone wants Teddy to win. It's very rare that you, you meet someone who is not polarizing in any way, like someone that no matter who it is cross spectrum wants that person to do well. And that's Teddy Bridgewater based on everything that's happened to him for his career. So much of it was not his fault and needing to find a home. And it just felt like, you know, everywhere he was going from the saints to the Panthers, it was sort of like chasing this white whale. And when they, when I first initially sort of getting the rumblings, because of course this is what I do. And I, some of the insiders started telling me, it looks like maybe Teddy might be coming to Denver. I loved the idea that he could go and that he could compete. And I loved the idea that we are so far removed from this legacy thing when it comes to the Broncos, because as you know, Sydney, like it's very difficult with, with what the Broncos have had under center between Elway and now Peyton Manning, it's difficult for people to come in. This expectation is just so unrealistic, but I think we're so many years removed from that. Now we've had such this carousel at that position. It felt like Teddy hits all the intangibles and that he is young enough, but seasoned enough and hasn't still had a real opportunity. Like we don't know who Teddy Bridgewater is yet as a quarterback. And that's awesome. It's awesome because he's got everything else that you need. And I think that it just being on a team like the Broncos, where they really ask you to just play within yourself. He's got fantastic weapons. He's got a fantastic O-line and he's got a defense he can depend on. That's the formula for success. We don't need heroes. We don't need someone that can throw 60 yard bombs, but half the time that's a pick, we just need someone to play within himself. And that is exactly what Teddy's doing. But I love the fact that he still threw that thing 50 damn yards to Cortland Sutton. He was like, you think that I'm just a game manager? I will also toss the sauce. Like he is, he's got it. And I'm just, I'm so happy for him. I really am. I am happy for him too. And yes. that's really impressed me about Teddy is just his pocket awareness is so, so good. The first two games. And I mean, we watched him during training camp and preseason. So I knew how good he was, but like just his ability to extend these plays on his feet has been truly incredible for me to watch. That, is, that escapability keeping his eye down, not just checking down, right? Because there was a couple of times on Sunday where you're like, he could have checked down, but he didn't. And he didn't make a stupid throw. He made a better throw without checking down. And then th that's all they're asking. Now, listen, let's be fair. Like, I get it. We have not exactly been playing the Super Bowl champion Bucks, right? We've been playing a Jaguars team that's, that's you know, that's not exactly great. A Giants team that looked better on Thursday night. But, um, but I, I still think that, again, this is what I said to someone the other day. And I said, 
what's so promising about this year is that that Giants game, especially, we might have lost that game, you know, over the last couple of years, a game where we're in firm control the entire time. And then at the very end, it's like, oh, no, just a couple of big mistakes. And to sit through and not at any point go, oh, God, here we go to sit there and watch the team just from beginning to end be in firm control of that game. I was like, oh, and then to see it again against Jacksonville, it just you know, have a mistake and recover from it. And it just, it's, it's a sense um, and a feeling that we have not experienced quite a bit in the last couple of years. And like, I think that's, what's so exciting about this team, Sydney, is that it just, they seem like a team that is always going to be in it and that they are not going to cost themselves. Some of these games, they're not going to, they're not going to play to the level of their opponent, which is what we've seen a little bit. Right. And they're not going to do that. If their opponent is lesser than them, they're going to beat the brakes off of them, which is what we've seen the last couple of weeks. It's great. That's great. Well, I know you mentioned earlier, you know, Teddy has so many weapons at his disposal here. You know, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, Tim Patrick, KJ, you know, there's so many to name. The list just goes on. How dominant do you think this offense can really be, you know, throughout the rest of the season as they continue to grow together? So dumb. That's the other thing is there's just so much untapped potential because while we know how good all of these players are individually injuries over the last couple of years have prevented them from all playing at the same time, you know, even right now I'm like, Jerry, get back. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like, it's, uh, but they're so, that's the point you mentioned it before. You're, you're a young team. You're a young team that has so many flashes of brilliance, but like I said, doesn't have the consistency yet because of injury. So I'm hoping that's an intangible that you can't control. It's just a part of the game. We all understand that. But I think that's what's so exciting is more reps and more time with Teddy. Like their timing already seems to be there and they haven't been working together that long. And so uh, the future is certainly bright. I mean, listen, in the future, if we lose games, it will not be because we did not have the weapons or the firepower to do it. And that's a really, this is the best sort of receiving core I've seen since probably the 2013 Broncos, right. That made all the history for the offense that they had. That's how legit we are. The running game is fantastic. Like we're, we're in a good spot. We are. You you mentioned some of the injuries and we've seen a couple of them so far this year. One of those being cornerback Ronald Darby. He was placed on IR last week, which consequent Consequently, we saw Pastor Tan step up in his place against the Jags on Sunday, recorded his first interception, his first career start. Yes. Everyone here was so excited for him. You know, what are your thoughts on, on the rookie corner? Oh, yeah, fantastic. I love that, right? Like you talk about like setting a really high bar right away. It's like, welcome to the NFL kid. You get your pick in your first. Um, I think it's great. And then of course, like we're riding that high and then Bradley Chubb happens. And I'm like, oh, because again, like, we talk about all the untapped potential on, on the offense. I just remember sort of the visions in, in me and my mom and my dad's head when we drafted Bradley Chubb and just the ideas of like Fawn Miller and Bradley Chubb anchoring each other and like, what's that going to be like? And we have been robbed of that. We've been robbed of that consistently. And so I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm so bummed for Bradley because I know how much he wants to be on the field. Um, but again, that's the beauty of sort of the situation that it allows an opportunity for someone to step up. And that's exactly what we saw last week. And I have no doubt we'll see someone step up in his place, but it's hard to replace Chubb. It is. I, I feel so bad for Bradley too, because y- you know how much he wants it. And it's just one yes. after another. Yes. Break. It's brutal. Yes. Well, you know, speaking of the defense, the Broncos are ranked third in the league in yards allowed per game so far. So what are your expectations, you know, for that group going up the Jets? 
going up against the Jets this weekend and rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, who we've seen kind of struggle the first two weeks. Kind of struggle is putting it very nicely. Uh, Sydney, it was very nice of you to say, I, you know, I was giggling yesterday thinking like, how bad does it have to be for your head coach to implore you to just be boring? Like, you know, Robert Salas, like if you could just be boring Zach Wilson and stop trying to save, I think it was totally unfair on the kid that, you know, even like up and up until the draft, he was, you know, this hall of famer to be then after one preseason game, they were getting him measured for his gold jacket. And it just felt like that kid has all of those expectations too. He feels the weight of the Jets needing a franchise quarterback. He feels all of the excitement and he's trying to do too damn much. And I hope this is not the week that he figures that out uh, because I think that with our defense, we will, you know, we'll eat him up. Like, you know, that's, that's, I think Robert Sala was imploring him because he knew what was staring them down, you know, five, six days from now, which is a Broncos defense. that's going to lick their chops, bring pressure, put him in situations where he's just throwing the ball in the air. So again, I fully expect to see our defense continue to do what they did to Trevor Lawrence, which is confuse a young quarterback and make him make mistakes and then capitalize. That's what I hope to see. We all know that head coach Vic Fangio has a good record going up against rookie quarterbacks. So. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. All right. Well, Sunday is going to be the first full capacity regular season game at Empower Field at Mile High since December of 2019. Oof. Wow. As I'm sure you know, Broncos country is one of the most passionate, you know, fan bases in the league. What do you think yes. that is going to be like? Uh, it's going to be, I'm so excited. My uncle is going, he's, you know, every day. Oh yeah. He'll be there repping for our family, uh, per usual. Um, just, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny because I always find myself sitting like whenever people talk about like, you know, how hard is to play here? How hard is to play here? They always, with the fan perspective go like, you know, in our division, they go arrowhead or they talk about Philly or playing, you know, at MetLife or obviously they acknowledge it's difficult to play in Denver because of the altitude. Dude, but um, I just think people sleep on I do too. A, right? Like they sleep. I just I, I don't know. Like it it boggles the mind when I tell people like, oh, we still hold the record for like longest consecutive sellouts, and like we are. You can't get season tickets everywhere. You have to will them in Denver. Like that's how it works. And and we're there in the snow and in the cold and the, and at all the time. And, um, it's a hard place to play. There's so much engagement. And I just think people sleep on that until they go, you know, and I work with a lot of like former colleagues that when I say that they'll be like, I'm not gonna lie to you playing there, you know, at the time in Vesco or mile high or whatever it was. Um, they're like, is, is a whole other animal because Denver is sneaky, sneaky, like loud and nasty. So I, yeah, we miss our team and I expect that Denver is going to go absolutely nuts. I can't wait. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time for Zach Wilson for sure. Well, I know it's still early in the season L, but do you think the Broncos could make a playoff push here? I do. So I'm not going to just be a homer. I'm going to be realistic, even though I know I'm talking to, to a Broncos podcast and say, I think part of the reason is because of the expansion, right? And the fact that there'll be a couple of what there'll be three wildcard teams. So I think that helps us because we play in a really damn hard division. I mean, we've got three playoff, potentially four playoff teams in that division alone. So we're going to cannibalize a little bit. And that's hard. You know, it's really hard when you play the Chiefs twice, when you play the Raiders twice. I mean, I remember like probably before you were freaking born, like we would have 
some incredible Broncos teams that would find a way to lose to the worst Raiders team and vice versa, because it's a rivalry, right? So that's always a wild card. You never know how that's going to go. So for that reason, it's going to be difficult, but I do think that outside of our division, it, it plays favorably to us. I don't know exactly what our FPI says that our strength of schedule is, but it's not crazy, crazy difficult outside of our division. Right. Yeah. And so I think that gives, and that would be a great target for us. Sydney. like, I, like I said, I'm not audacious enough to say like, we're going to win a freaking Super Bowl this year, but I think a great goal goal is a winning season, right? Something that we've been looking for for a few years now, a winning season and one that sees us in a playoff. And, um, and I think that would be, that would be fantastic. A to remind the old guys, the old vets that have had that before that there's still something left in the tank and for the young people uh, that are on the team to sort of experience that as well so that they can learn from those veterans. So uh, I think that's a super, a super plausible goal. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll appreciate yeah thoughts on the team, but let's switch gears a little bit now. I know as many of our listeners know here on the snap, one of our main goals is to highlight women's impact in and around the NFL. So just want to ask you a couple quick questions about your career. I know you joined ESPN back in 2016, but can you kind of walk me through the path that you took to get to where you are today? Yeah, it was circuitous. I mean, there was a lot of like, you would think random roads and, you know, byways and highways, but I did radio, I did sports radio, and then I did hip hop radio for many, many years because that paid the bills. And then I did things like uh, sideline for the Atlanta Hawks, sideline for the Atlanta Falcons radio for their pre and post game shows, work for Comcast sports covering um, college football, because, you know, a lot of people don't know, I know that you know this, you're in the industry, like those kinds of things are not really, uh, they don't pay well enough to make them your full-time job, right? Most of us have to have other jobs while we do that because you get like, yeah, you get a couple hundred dollars a game, maybe like that's not paying anyone's bills. So I did that for many years. Um, and I, uh, I did, uh, traffic on the news, uh, and I did it and I always, if you can, I always advocate for doing things, um, so that as almost like a make good. So I told them, I mean, obviously I had no like passion for doing traffic, but I also didn't have a ton of TV experience and I wanted to do more in sports television. And I was like, all right. So I made a deal with my boss. I said, I'll tell you what, you hire me. I'll do traffic for you. But once a week, let me go up to the Falcons. Let me go to their facility. Let me do some packages for the 11 PM sports center and a package to run in the morning. Like, let me just, I'll do it for free. You don't have to pay me. Just give me a cameraman. She was like, and we won't pay you extra. I was like, no, she was like, all right. So I did that. And after a couple of years, girl, you would have thought I was the main sports anchor at that network based on my reel. I was not, but I had enough film to then send it to Boston. And that's when I got the audition at a regional network in Boston called Nesson. And that is when I got that job. And then after that job, I had enough reel after two more years there to send to ESPN. And then they auditioned me and I got the job. So it really is about like, thinking outside the box and saying, maybe this isn't ultimately what I want to do, but how can I use this situation to help me achieve my goal of fill in the blank, you know? Right. Well, I know ESPN, they recently resigned you to a new, you know, multi-year contract. What did that mean to you? You know, just knowing that all your hard work was being seen and it is paying off. It's so funny. You say that Sydney, I keep saying it, it's weird because I think that, and I know you understand this, like so much of the beginning of your career is like, just like trying to prove people, like prove your worth and prove your value and get them to believe in you and convince them to give you a job and convince them to give you a mic and convince them to give you more content, more opportunities, more responsibilities. You just, 
it's like you almost are motivated and sort of thrive off of this, uh, this chip on your shoulder or this idea that no one sees you and like, just wait for like, you know, here I come. And then you sort of get this acknowledgement from the place that you work at this place that you've worked to get to your whole life, this acknowledgement of like, yeah, we think you're awesome. And we want you to stay even longer. And you're just sort of like, you have this like identity. It's like an existential crisis. You're like, who am I, if I am not struggling and trying to like convince you to see me. And so it's been this really cool thing. And also some, some stuff to talk out with the therapist, right? Because that is, that's sort of traumatic conditioning that tells us that like, it only means something if people don't believe we can do it. And I'm choosing now to really focus on the people that always believed I could do this and always trusted me and believed in me and sacrificed for me. And I'm focusing on them. So this has been different for me. Like, okay. It's also weird when people think that like, you got like a huge raise. Cause like all of a sudden people are weird and asking you like to pay for stuff, which is so, sort of weird. Um, but, uh, but it's been, it's been really cool. And, and, uh, I'm just really blessed and honored. It's, it's one of those times where there's so much pain and misery and people losing their lives, their family members, their jobs. And so it does feel like an embarrassment of riches to, to be so happy and joyous, joyous, but I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just really honored to be in this position. One last question for you, Elle, you know, throughout okay. all of your experiences in the sports industry, what's one piece of advice you'd give women in the industry, no matter really what area of it they're working in? You know what? I would say like, don't try, you can't undo, um, generations of sort of antiquated ideology, if you will in a week. Okay. So I, what I find is a lot of young women, especially in male dominated industries and this one, went on, they find that they either have to assert themselves right. In order to sort of show that they've got the gravitas to hang with the boys or they feel like they have to shrink. Um, and I just think that there's this place where you don't have to do either. Like I don't, I would, my encouragement would be to just don't overthink it. Lena rely on all the things that make you uniquely female because they're amazing. Like we think with compassion and we are, uh, we are empathetic and that helps and informs our storytelling. It informs the way that we lead. Don't run from any of that stuff. You know, it's okay. Like, I, I just think that we need to realize that, um, while we many times are the minority in these rooms, right. Especially when it comes to decision-making, we do not have to isolate ourselves in a way that isolates ourselves, you know? And I think that it's, it's interesting because I sat on a panel a few months back with Susie Culber, who kind of said the same thing. And she was like, you know, I just, I, I just, I, I sort of never made it about me being a woman. They never really made it about being a woman. Um, I would say that in general, most people just want you to be good at your job. It doesn't really matter if you're a man or a woman. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that if you sort of lead yourself to say, I'm going to be solely focused on what I can control. Um, it helps, you know, you're going to come across people along the way that are undoubtedly going to put you in a particular box because that's just sort of the way that they've been conditioned, but, um, don't go in there and do the work, put your head down and do the work. You don't have to be anything that you're not. It's okay. You can be exactly who you are and still deserve that seat at the table. Great advice, Al. That's a perfect way to end the podcast. Truly, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It was such a pleasure getting to know you and having you as a guest this week. 
It's so great to finally talk to you. I see you on the videos all the time. So oh, thank you. <laughs> thank that you. means so much to me. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's edition of The Snap. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thanks again to Elle Duncan for joining us. Make sure to meet me right back here on the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube next Friday for another fun episode. I'll see you then.